Here it is. Again. One, two, three, four! I believe that the music I heard is a killer. It's a killer of hope. It's a killer of spirit. Little girls should be seen and not heard. And Devo plays for Muffy's party. We bring you an act who at first may shock you. The Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. Let's go! Hey everybody, I'm Rob. And I am Joseph. Welcome to the June-July 1979 edition of Deep Dives and Deep Cuts, the history of punk, post-punk, and new wave 1976 to 1986. Now, we started in 1976. We're about halfway through 1979 now. And during our travels so far, there have been a couple of months where it seems like everything kind of falls into place and the whole... Uh, scene just sort of takes a giant leap forward. June, July, well, really the whole summer of 1979 really feels like one of those times. Um, and this playlist, June and July, is uh, kind of dominated by two game-changing debuts, one in June, one in July. So I say, let's not beat around the bush. Let's put our best foot forward and all that. And to that end, let's kick June of 1979 off with a cut from the debut album by Joy Division. This is a song called Wilderness. Joseph, I can't tell you how excited I am that we are finally getting into into Joy Division. I'm pretty stoked about this, and I know mm. I know you are a bigger New Order fan, but I am a huge Joy Division fan, and I'm I'm just I'm thrilled, man. Yeah, I mean, it has been many, many, many years since I had heard this album, and um, you know, I've got a I've got a, a different take on it. I'm listening to it with a different set of ears and processing it with a different mm -hmm. brain than um, you know when I originally had this on cassette. Uh, so we definitely have a lot to talk about, um, but yeah. uh, there are a couple of points of business first. We need to just get out of the way. So first and foremost, as always, I want to remind everybody that we are talking about music. Music is art, and there is nothing more subjective than art. This is an opinion show, but we try to never get too opinionated because ultimately we are here to celebrate this extraordinary music that was created during a pretty unique period of time. To illustrate that, um, Professor Rob is going to give us a little mm -hmm. history lesson about what was going down in June and July yeah. of 1979. Great. Yeah. So uh, we're going to go with the uh, number one U.S. hits at the time, Hot Stuff by Donna Summer. 
Ring My Bell by Anita Ward, Bad Girls by also also by Donna Summer. Three like classic tunes that never leave my brain for some reason. I can't get them <laughs> out of my head. Uh, the movies were Phantasm, Rocky II, Escape from Alcatraz, The Muppet Movie, Meatballs, Moonraker, and Breaking Away. A bunch of really good cinematic, uh, you know, features there. Mm-hmm. Uh, debuting TV. Well, there wasn't a whole lot good going on at the time anyway. Nothing new at, at any rate. Um, notable events at the time that were happening. The Ixtac-1 rig in the Gulf of Mexico exploded, spilling 3 million barrels of oil in one of the worst oil spills in history. President Carter and Soviet leader Brezhnev signed the SALT II Treaty, limiting nuclear weapons. Sony introduced the Walkman, the first portable cassette player. Disco demolition night at Comiskey Park, and the fans went wild, destroying disco records. This this sounds like a terrible event. <laughs> okay, so Joy Division, they um, hardly worth speaking about, but uh, to be completist, I guess we have to talk about their debut album. No, this is, this of course, at the top of the show, I referenced two sort of game-changer debut albums. The one released in June of 1979 is Unknown Pleasures by Joy Division. Joy Division was formed in 1976. Uh, the band consisted of Ian Curtis, of course, uh, Bernard Sumner, Peter Hook, and Stephen Morris. Unknown Pleasures. Um, it, it was released, of course, June 15th of 1979. And uh, in my opinion, is it, I mean, you already said it's a game changer, but it definitely is a game changer for me in, as far as what I listened to you know, as a kid. Um, the band had two, two studio albums, Unknown Pleasure and Closer. Um, that, of course, was released two months after uh, Ian Curtis's death. But Unknown Pleasures, this, this is a really, to me, it's a really great album. And it only took them two weekends to record and mix the whole thing. Um, to me, is a, a display of the band becoming who they were meant to be and who they really wanted to be. And uh, I think that's kind of partly because of their producer, Martin Hamnett. He's, uh, he's praised. Now, they've been around for a while as far as making music, um, but he was really praised for helping them transition from, from what they sounded like before they cut their first studio album. Um, into what they sounded like in 79 when they came out with Unknown Pleasures. We might Uh, have to make this episode a two-parter because um, I need to include the list of all of the accolades um, that this album gets (laughs) as far as showing up on lists. So settle in, guys. We're going to be here for a while. So NME thinks it's the 40th greatest album of all time and the fourth greatest album of the 70s. Mojo's, it's Mojo Magazine's 26th greatest punk album of all time. Q's fourth greatest album of the 70s. Uh, they also think it's the 19th greatest British album of all time. Rolling Stone nice. thinks it's the 24th coolest record of all time apparently they have a list for that um the 20th rolling stone also thinks it's the 20th best debut album 
and the 211th greatest album of all time overall. And Spin Magazine calls it the uh, 11th most essential punk album. Whew. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> As they got started in 76, they were quite punk, but but coming around to 1979, there was this huge change in their sound. And I mean, you know, call it a punk album, if you will. Uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty badass. I love the sound. Mm-hmm. I love that, like, dark guttural you know, mm-hmm. sound that they yeah. have. I haven't listened to this or their second album in over 20 years. I remember liking this album a little bit better than their second one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I enjoyed this album more than I thought I would. I knew I wasn't, I wasn't going to hate it. I, th- I thought I'd like it well yeah. enough, but there are, moments on here that I love. So so the moments that are working for me resonate now much more than they did um you know back in the day um back when I, I sure. first got this album. Um and this is this is going this is going to sound like it's a knock on the album but it's really not. Um, and this is sort of kind of the charm of this band and this album. There are some moments um, where they really sound like a high school band. <laughs> you know, yeah. that like, like the, um, so this, right. the song that we kicked things off was my pick. Uh, what song did you pick? Well, so I picked the one that sounds like a high school band. Yes, um, I was no. going to say. <laughs> but I thought I'd let you introduce and, it. <laughs> yeah. No, no. So so before we go into it, I want to I want to bring that up. Now, um the song we started off with Wilderness is is more refined, it sounds better produced. It, you know, the vocals are just clean and I mean, he Ian Kurtz had it down singing that song. Yeah. Uh, my pick New Dawn Fades is a little rougher in that it's it's it, the vocals are slightly discordant. He really doesn't sound like he could sing a lick, and uh, it, you know it, it's there. There just doesn't seem to be a whole lot of connection between you know the singing and and the music, the instruments. Um, but I find it to be again, kind of dark and emotional. And, and maybe it's because I know Ian Curtis's background and I know, or, you know, not personally, but I know of him. And so I'm always thinking there's a lot going through that man's head right now. What exactly is he, is he doing? Yeah, I, I, I got to say, uh, Ian Curtis's vocals are not what make me think of high school band. It's actually the, uh-huh. the music in like in this song in particular, uh-huh. it starts out all right. But then when it gets into like the middle of the song, um, it yeah. gets pretty scruffy and it's like the, the, the bass is not <laughs> quite always on time and neither is the guitar. Mm-hmm. And they really kind of sound like people who are still figuring out how to play their instruments. But that's what I kind of like about that song. I mean, it's yeah. got, it's got yeah. a, a, a charm to it um, that makes this, um, this actually both the songs that we're hearing tonight kind of, um, you know, s- couple of the numerous high points on on this album 
where I get turned off is when they're like um, narratively and musically less focused. So it's not in the execution, but just mm -hmm. they kind of like um, she's lost control. That song drives me nuts. I kind of hate that song. It really <laughs> annoys me. And so when they kind of go yeah. in that direction, um, I find it very off-putting. But the majority of, of this album, um, I was like, it was really kind of resonating more than I expected it to. Coming coming back from that tune and, and listening to it again, I, I I've probably in the last I don't know week or two I've heard this song like thirty times, and and I I still absolutely love it and and I really like it again for the same similar reason than you I I, I like that about mm -hmm. it I like that it's rough and you know um, but also that intro is just so cool. There's something about the intro for me that that is pretty emotional and pretty. It's like a, it's in the gut, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I, I'm I'm just crazy about Joy Division. I don't know if they can do any wrong. So yeah, that's uh, that's my pick. That's Joy Division's uh, album, Unknown Pleasures. And what do you think, Joseph? Are we gonna should should they be a contender for the top ten? Um, so I am stating the obvious, but, uh, it is not mm -hmm. a question of will it be on the top 10, but just what position. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to a very different beast. Um, this is, so when we were talking about disco and we were talking about burning the disco records on the, in the stadium, mm -hmm. number one song for 1979 in the United States was not a disco song. It was my Sharona by the knack. <laughs> so yeah. we, um, so 1979 sees three, well, two and a half, uh, like post-punk new wave songs hitting number one. Um, so now we're talking about the third one. So the first one was, of course, Blondie's um, Heart of Glass. The second one, which I'm counting as half because it depends on the chart that you look at, was um, Pop Music by M. And then My Sharona was the third one of 1979. And let me tell you here that um, it was the, not only was the song number one, but the album was number one for five weeks. And My, My Sharona was the number one song um, for all of 1979, and it stayed for six weeks uh, in the number one position. Um, Quincy Jones 
wanted to do, uh, he was inspired by My Sharona, wanted to do a My Sharona uh, type rock song, which spurred Michael Jackson to write Beat It. Wow. Yeah. That is crazy. <laughs> I bet you weren't expecting <laughs> me, me to say that, were you? No, not at all. <laughs> and then, and then of course, um, My Bologna launched um, Weird Al oh, Yankovic's yeah. career. So, and uh, Pace Magazine thinks that this is the 39th best new wave album. Now, having said that, um, this playlist that we're talking about for June and July, there are some highs and there are some lows. I kind of hate this album. This is the first <laughs> time. I, I love my Sharona. I think it is a song for the ages. It's one of those few songs that I never get tired of. I'm always happy when it comes on. I kind of had a sense that the rest of the album wasn't even going to be like close to it. But I mean, it is yeah. like, it is power pop all the way. Um, I'm hoping that you like this album more than... I did, so we don't just spend the next five minutes dumping on this. Yeah, well, here's another time where I found myself listening through a whole other set of years. You know, um, this album had, I, I'll be honest, back years ago, I made fun of the neck. Uh, I hated my Sharona, and I I thought it was hysterical. The best part of my Sharona was Weird Al Yankovic for me, mm. and... <laughs> And but listening to this album again, um, I ended up kind of liking it. To be honest, it, I, I found myself enjoying the it. Song my surrender, the whole album. Mm -hmm. This whole album, I found myself enjoying it. It was, I, and I was surprised. Like it, it just caught me off guard. I couldn't believe it. Um, in fact, it had the knack sound that I remember. Um, and I will say that not all the songs on the album have that sound, uh, but it, it's the sound throughout the album and I, that I ended up liking. And I don't know if it's for nostalgic purposes or what, but, but yeah, I, I ended up like tapping my feet to mm. it and kind of digging mm. it. So, yeah. We have talked about misogyny in punk and new wave before, and we will talk about mm -hmm. it again. Mm -hmm. But I think yep. it has to be brought up for this album. And, you know, quite often um, part of our, our takeaway when we examine um, this issue is, well, it was a different time and, you know, people just didn't think about this stuff in the same way as we do now. But at the time, this album got a lot of criticism for, for its misogyny. Um, and I, I think Exhibit A is actually the song that you picked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before we launch into it, I, I will just say this. The, the music is, is pretty solid. I would say that, that musically... Yeah. I like this song and like the vocal part and, and all of that. Um, I like it a lot more than most of the songs. So mm -hmm. it's a pretty solid listen uh, if you don't pay too close attention to the lyrics. Everybody plays a game. 
the style in the class And she get what she wants And everybody knows her name She got the smile and the ass And the power to flaunt Cause she really in it just for herself No, she doesn't care for nobody else It's just me, 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 me She's so Two little um, points I want to bring up about the song She's So Selfish and the misogyny in it. Um, Yeah. One is... Have have you listened closely to lyrics? I've been this has been on the playlist. I've been listening to this whole playlist a lot mm-hmm. the last several days. I've been kind of closely listening to the lyrics in, on this song. And basically the only thing that makes her selfish is the fact that she's not putting out for him. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then <laughs> <Yep>. secondly, <laughs> Every criticism that he has about her is much more of a typical male trait than it is a female trait, um, which I thought was interesting. I I would love to credit the, the songwriter for being aware of that and it being a, a clever examination of the double standard, but... I'm certain that that wasn't the case. <laughs> Just having having listened to the rest of the album, um, I don't think it's a sly takedown on double standards for um, men and men and women in the '70s. But just yeah, just sort well, of too bad. <laughs> I want to make it clear, though, my dislike for this album is not primarily because of the misogyny. Um, it is just because of the, the yep. music. So that is the next debut album. I don't think we actually even said the name of the album. Um, it is called Get the Knack. Um, the big hit uh, was, of course, My Sharona with a lesser hit of, of Good Girls Don't. Uh, it's definitely not going to pop up on my best of list. I I suppose it's possible that it might pop up on somebody else's, but it doesn't sound like you're going to be considering this either. No, like I said, I I tapped my foot to it and I kind of enjoyed the album, but yeah, there's there's too many really great albums out there, and this one's not close to those. Mm-hmm. The next album we're going to cover is Devo's album "Duty Now for the Future." Um, the band, of course, we know. We, we've covered them. We've talked all about them from Akron, Ohio. Um, and I just love the fact that the members of the band are Mark and Bob Mothersbaugh, or Mother, Mother, Motherbaugh, and Gerald and Bob Casales. There's two Bobs in this Devo band. Oh, so that's why I like their music. <laughs> yeah, there's two Bobs. You got Bobs all over. Um, <laughs> at any rate. Uh, this is their second studio album. Uh, they cut nine altogether. Um, I find it to be a pretty good, it's a pretty good new wave album, um, you know, with a couple of low points. But what, what, how do you feel about this, this Devo album, Joseph? Well, um, 
I want to remind everybody that we spent a fair amount of time discussing this album with uh, Michael Greco when we did the Devo yeah. Deep Dive uh, last season. Uh, and if memory serves me correctly, this was both my and your second favorite Devo album. I love this album. Uh -huh. I like this yeah. album so much better than the first one. Um, yeah, I, absolutely. I don't think that there, there are low points on this album for me. Um, I think it's pretty great. Um, <clears throat> about half of the album I really love, and then the rest of it I like a fair amount. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, I think the, yeah. the song Clock Out that we're about to hear um, – I like it, uh, but I would put it in mm -hmm. the the bottom half of the album as far as 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 far as uh, my enjoyment of it. Um, so I am super hot on this album. It is really nice. consistent. It's got a nice rhythm to it. Um, these guys are very funny, very quirky, very engaging. Um, uh huh. Yeah. yeah, so we uh, I want to remind everybody that we've already heard two songs off of this album when we did the deep dive on, on Devo. So uh, we listened to SIB and Triumph of the Will. And now we're going to listen to Clock Out. I got my coat, I got my keys I got my head down to my lungs and move my feet I'm scooped. I dig this song, and, and as far as um, the inconsistency. It, it was a definite change in style, considering the lack of like electronic, electronically sounding instruments. You know, this is probably the least new wave, like you said, kind of just a rock, maybe a pub rock or, or you know. I feel like this song probably would have fit a little bit better on their first album than than this album. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another another reason why this is a great album. Um, it, argument for it is that Rolling Stone absolutely hated this album. So it's got that going for it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, well, that's another reason why it's got my vote. Uh, <laughs> so that was, that was Devo's album, uh, Duty Now for the Future. Um, what do you think? Top 10 contender? Uh, I mean, it is... I hope it's going to be on my on my list. If not, it'll definitely be on a short runners-up list. But, mm -hmm. you know, I thought their debut album was going to make the final top ten. And it didn't even come close. So I'm not going to, like, hold out much hope for it. But, um, you know... Mm -hmm. I I think that it's worthy of it. I, I just I, I just yeah. think it gets overlooked a lot. Well, we'll see what our listeners think uh, come towards the end of the season. Huh? 
Let's move on to the debut album um, from a band called Chelsea. Chelsea. So, Rob, you know when you sit down to listen to an album that you've never heard before by a band that you're not familiar with. Um, And Mm -hmm. sometimes you get like 30 seconds into the first song and, or at least for me, sometimes I get 30 seconds into the, the first song and I get like a really strong hit. And sometimes it's like, Oh, this is going to be sort of a drudge or, Oh, this is going to be a lot of fun, (laughs) you know, not necessarily good or bad, but this is going to be interesting. And I had that experience twice, um, once each, um, with this batch. And, um, so the debut from Chelsea was one of those, um, and as soon as it got into the first song, I was like, Oh boy, this is gonna be a drudge. Now, this is this is not <laughs> a bad album. I mean, it it is pretty good. It is very solid. Um, but coming out in the middle of 1979, it sounds so familiar, so familiar. Yeah. Um, four of the members of the uh, of the the founding members of this band actually left. Chelsea before they released their first album and went on to uh, form Generation X. And uh-huh. so on this album, those members, as far as I know, do not appear. But, and I'm not suggesting that you would confuse Chelsea with Generation X, but there are the same sensibilities totally. Um, and, yeah, and, um, my sort of lukewarm, um, response to, uh, Generation X kind of is, you know, surfaces when I listen to this album, pretty solid, um, you know, very, very referential to the first couple of albums by The Clash. The Clash did it a lot better. Um, what did you think? My, my guess is that you're enjoying this album a lot more than, than I am. Yeah. Well, I do like the album. Um, and I think, I think there is a lot of, uh, like, I, I was going to say, it reminds me a lot of like 1977's uh-huh. Clash. Um, you know, so I dig that. I mean, I really like that sound. Um, I felt a lot like it was... You know, like it was they they were wanting to be punk, but as punk was kind of fading away and so they ended up becoming or, or kind of, I don't know, you feel like a transformation into, uh, again, into like a pub mm-hmm. rock band. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I did enjoy it. I like that uh, nearly DIY punk yeah. rock vibe, you know. So. What song did you pick um, from the from Chelsea's debut album? I picked Fools and Soldiers, and I think I picked that one because it stood out the most to me.
So when I say super solid, credible, not terribly inspired, um, this is a perfect example of it. I mean, if, if the, the <laughs> I feel like the whole album is is kind of in this vein. Um, so yeah. if you if you like that kind of uh, punk, then then you should definitely check this this album out because it is. <laughs> I can't get excited about it, but it is a pretty solid album there's nothing wrong with this album at all yeah i, I gotta say it's it's well produced well executed just not inspiring mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. so that is um chelsea's debut album um self-titled and i it seems unlikely this is going to make appearance at the end of the season as far as best of lists I won't be considering it for for my list, of course. Uh, the next album we're going to cover, Joseph, is uh, Labor of Lust by everybody's favorite guy, the Jesus of Cool himself, Nick Lowe. Your favorite and mine? Yeah, <laughs> well, you leave me out of this. <laughs> no, I, I, I will tell you that... Um, Maybe it was just a question of managing expectations, but I did not mm-hmm. hate this album. Um, I, yeah. as yeah. you remember, I kind of actively mm-hmm. hated um, the Jesus of Cool album, but this one is pretty solid. Um, we just we just spoke about the knack and about how we're going to have to go forward and determine whether it's appropriate for us to continue to uh, talk about their albums. I think we need to do that with Nick Lowe mm-hmm. as well, because there is just yeah, nothing yeah, so. on here that is new wave, post-punk, or or any right. of that. Um, but well, I will say this. What is missing from this album is the smarmy, smug, smart-alecky attitude that I found so off-putting from the first album. Um, the, yeah. Um, yeah. the Actually, Nick Lowe's biggest hit here in the United States is off of this album, a song called Cruel to Be Kind, which I think we're all familiar right. with. Very solid, yeah. but yeah. just, you know, not new wave. You know, it's a little, it's a little curious because... The further you get into the album, the more country it becomes. Did yeah. you notice this? Yep, absolutely. So by the end of the album, I, w- I had completely checked out. <laughs> to me, it feels kind of inconsistent in in its sound. Every, every other song is like a different vibe to me. And there's the power pop vibe. There's that country guitar. There's, you know, I don't know. It. it I did not like this album. Oh, really? So, <laughs> so would like you it. would yeah. you prefer um, uh, Jesus of Cool to this? Oh, no, oh, not okay. at all. All right, <laughs> not at all. Um, there, there are a couple songs off this album that I I enjoyed. To be honest, I got to go back to um, Cruel to Be Kind because it is sort of like a flawless pop song. I mean, that is such a well crafted um, pop song. I mean. As light as a feather, you know, it's all, all meringue, no lemon. Um, but 
you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I picked uh, Big Kick, Plain Scrap as the song to, to, to listen to tonight. And the reason I did is one, it didn't sound like that country grind. And, uh, and it sounded less poppy than some of the other songs, so. Big kick, plain scrap. You better shut that trap, we'll come and get it. You kick like a mule, you eat like a pig, you train like a fish, you're a queer one, baby. kind of song that sounds like it might appear have appeared on like a George Harrison solo album in yeah. the mid 80s you know 80s exactly yeah, yeah that was my it's thought like too. <laughs> it's okay it's like really polished and well done and you know I just kind of goes along and is nice and you know, nobody gets too excited about anything and then it ends. But but it's it's well crafted. Um I just yeah. I have better things to do with my ears than um listen <laughs> to this. Um and it's I gotta say it's awfully poppy for a song that's, you know, about a guy who's a cocaine addict and, you know, uh <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of a fun puppy song. I didn't even get to the point where I even bothered trying to figure out what the song was about or or listen ah, to the yeah. story. I was yep. like, I mean, it's yeah. it's catchy. Are we going to put the uh, Nick Lowe on our top ten list? Mm, I I don't know. He's not going to be on mine. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. I mean, in this, this may be the last Nick Lowe um, album that that we discuss. Uh, yeah. We'll just have to go peek ahead and cool. and see if there's anything relevant coming down the pike. Power. He screams power pop like crazy in this album, so I think you're mm, right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I am happy to say that we are moving on to. The follow-up album um, by the band whose debut album was my number one of 1978, and that's The Cars. Yeah. So The Cars released Candio, um, my favorite Cars album, even though I, I will concede that their debut album is, is probably better. Um I love the the new wavy quirkiness of side two. Um, it, it's it's not as um, there there aren't as many like rock anthems on this album as there were on the first one. Um, but side two is is just so strangely compellingly weird for a like rock pop new wave album mm -hmm. uh, that 
that I just, I've always loved it. Uh, the uh, um, hits off of this album were um, Let's Go and It's All I Can Do. We have actually already heard several songs off of this. We've heard the title track, Candio. And then from the Cars Deep Dive from last season, we heard uh, You Can't Hold On Too Long and Dangerous Type. Yeah, what I find interesting about this album, I mean, you talked about how there are no rock um, rock anthems, but all the songs mm-hmm. are great. I mean, they're all very mm-hmm. good, very memorable tunes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what uh, what song did you pick to feature um, tonight? It, well, I'm going to tell you, it was hard because, again, they're all good songs. Um, but I went with Since I Held You. I won't forget the way you said is uh to me it's a classic album and it's filled with all kinds of favorites uh like you said we've already talked about most of the, you know most of the the album um or a good good amount of the album um but this this album still filled with songs that get played on the radio and and it's on all kinds of cd compilations in my car so mm-hmm. i never get tired i never get tired of it yeah yeah, so that is the Cars' second album. We spent a lot of time talking about it in our deep dive episode, so we're we've got so much else to discuss tonight that we're gonna uh, kind of skim through it past it real quick. You know, it's it's funny because their debut album was my number one album of 1978. I like this album better, Mm -hmm. but this is not going to be my number one album. It's definitely going to be on my top 10 list. Um, But there are, there are some, some really, really important, extraordinary albums released. Um, in 1979 that um kind of i think they they kind of steal some of the thunder from the cars uh-huh. um, yeah. but um i i think there's a very I, I think it should definitely be in consideration when people are putting that putting their lists together the next album we're, we're going to be talking about is the tourists debut album the the tourists um, now, Joseph, before I get into it, you and I had talked previously about the conversation that's going to happen here, and I, I'm getting the vibe that it's not amongst your, <laughs> your favorites, but let me just say this. Uh, the band yeah. got together in 1976. This is their debut album. Of course, it peaked at number 72 on the UK albums chart. Uh, they had two big singles, 
uh, blind among the flowers and the loneliest man in the world, I absolutely knew nothing about this band when I first uh, started researching for tonight's episode. I knew nothing mm-hmm. about them. I I may have heard some of their stuff, but it went one ear in one ear and went out the other. Um, when I first heard them, I knew that the lead I knew that the lead vocalist, or, or at least through some of the songs, uh, I knew that the female vocalist was Annie Lennox. Unmistakably, you cannot miss that voice. Um, and not and then and then researching them was really happy to find that not only was Annie Lennox in the band, but Dave Stewart was also in the band playing guitar. Um, they, of mm-hmm. course, went on to be in Eurythmics, but, and I, I'm a fan of Eurythmics. I like them. Um, but I will say this, Joseph, I thought this album was cool. <laughs> I thought it was cool. Um, mm-hmm. I'd like to hear, before you explode, I'd like to hear what you had to say about it. Just... <laughs> Well, so um, let's let, let's actually let's listen to your pick first. Okay. Okay. Uh, because I, I I think it'll be it'll be what I have to say will be a little bit more relevant. Okay. Um, having heard yeah. this song, so so what did you pick? Well, I picked uh, the song "Deadly Kiss." played this song for me before I sat down and listened to this album and asked me, um, who do you think the band is? Uh-huh. Uh, my first guess would have been Heart. <laughs> and my second guess would have been Jefferson Airplane. Yeah. Yeah. And I would have been wrong in both cases. And then you <laughs> would have said, no, this is the Taurus. And I would have gone, the Taurus. Have I heard of the tourists? And I might have got them confused with the waitresses. For yeah. some reason, <laughs> I sort of compl- conflate the two. Um, and so, so my relationship, I mean, obviously, the main reason why we're talking about this album is because Annie Lennox, Dave Stewart, will go on to form uh, the uh, Eurythmics that will produce some of the greatest new wave songs mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, my relationship with Annie Lennox is complicated. I mean, purely one-sided, obviously. Um, but there was a moment where she was the coolest kid in the universe. I mean, there was a short period of time where she was creating just some of the coolest music ever, but that was a very brief time for me. now I'm talking purely subjective, you know, as far as my connection with her music, Um, there is no doubt that she is uh, super talented, uh, super smart, 
together um, genius of sorts, but her sensibilities are way off from mine, except for the first couple of Eurythmics albums where, where she was just totally dialed in. She was so cool. And then she got like, and then each album that came out, she got, it got cheesier and sappier and she got into mm -hmm. the, the, the whole Annie Lennox, the diva thing, yeah, exactly. which is not something that I connect to. And then before Eurythmics in this album, uh, she obviously is just kind of starting out and figuring out who she is as an artist, developing her voice both literally and figuratively. Mm -hmm, right. um, her voice is not super great on this album. I mean, it's pretty good, but it's not like Annie Lennox good, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's interesting is that if you watch that video, you can tell where she's actually forming this character that she's going to become. Uh, mm -hmm. The video, of course, is a, li is a live concert. Uh, video, but she's very theatrical in her facial expressions and how she's opening her mouth as she's making sounds come out of it, you know? So that's very interesting. Mm -hmm. So as I was listening to this album, I, you know, quite often when I listen to uh, um, bands that I'm not familiar with, I, as I'm going through the first run of the album, I just write down artists that spring to mind mm -hmm. um, that, that that album reminds me of. So I have Tommy Two-Tone, The Romantics, Toto, Heart, and Jefferson, uh, Jefferson Airplane. <laughs> um, so that's kind of where I'm at with the tourists, I, <laughs> which I... is not super excited. <laughs> um, so... Um, I'm not going to put them on my top 10. They're not a consideration even a bit, but uh, I am going to save that YouTube video because it's pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> the last album we're going to discuss that was released in June. So all of the albums so far have been released in June. Uh, was the debut album uh, from a band called Swell Maps called a trip to marineville and i gotta tell you rob our timing was so perfect uh -huh. because uh and i'm referring to the last episodes we recorded which was the bridge um crossover episode with will from um this is modern rock right. we spent a fair amount of time talking about the pastels yeah, yeah. And um there is a um a fairly stylistically and sonically you can you can kind of draw a pretty straight line from the swell maps to the pastels. Um and you know at the time they were kind of called like art rock. Um but that whole like C86 sound. I think, you know, I think we're seeing the 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 beginning of it here with the Swell Maps. Uh -huh. Is this a band you were familiar with? I, I was not, no. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I first discovered them while we were doing research, and honestly, I quite yeah. like them. 
Yeah, they're they're fun. They're quirky. They've got their own sound. Um, so and very influential. Here is a partial list of bands that were directly influenced um, by the Swell Maps. Uh, so we talked about the Pastels, who themselves would go on to influence a whole bunch of bands, but also Dinosaur Jr. REM, Nirvana, of course, it seems like every other band that, that released stuff in the early 80s influenced Nirvana. <laughs> Pavement d- directly cited them as a um, an influence, so we've we ta- spent a fair amount of time talking about Pavement. Sonic Youth and Deer Hunter, um, all bands that, um, and really for this kind of sound, um, you know, probably my guess is at the time um, there were there were people who struggling to compare them with other bands probably would have brought up the fall, mm-hmm. um, uh, but they they've got a, a totally different energy it's still this like um it's still got this this definitely like art rock who gives a fuck about pop structure feel to it um but it's it's a little more arch i think and that's not usually when that word is brought up in in the context of of music or of art, um, it is not a compliment, but I think it kind of works in mm. in this case. Yeah. I, I I like I like this album a lot. Um, I don't think I act- actually listened to the whole album in one sitting. I've listened to it several times, but I after five or six songs, it it gets to be a little much and I have to go and like cleanse my palate and then come back to it. Um, but I, I like it a lot. Yeah. So what song did you, uh, what song did you pick? Well, I picked full moon in my pocket and, um, again, I think the reason, you know, you're talking about not being able to sit and listen to the whole thing, uh, the whole album in one sitting. There's a lot of discordance in there. There's a lot of kind of, uh, abrupt sounds and and it it can be i don't know it can be distracting this song to me uh, stood out amongst all of that that musical artistic chaos um and so that's the reason why i chose it i got a Well, the next time we have a conversation with Will, um, I'm definitely going to bring up the Swell Maps uh, because I, I think it really definitely will. If you're listening, go check this album out. 
um, because I, I, I think that you're, you're going to find it um, uh, edifying as far as adding to the conversation that we had about the pastels, for sure. Um, I'm not seriously considering this album, um, the Swell Maps debut album called A, A Trip to Marineville. Uh, but it is, it did, you know, it does sound pretty given the, when it was released, it's, it's got its own thing going. It's sounding pretty fresh and new to me. Yeah. Yeah. Good what, stuff. What, well, what about you? It, it, it doesn't sound like you're doing backflips. Over yeah. The not, either. not, not doing backflips for it. I mean, it's, it's okay. I'm not gonna, I am not gonna put it on my top 10 list. So that brings us to the end of June. Now we're going into July. So earlier, uh, when we were talking about Chelsea, I said that sometimes when I listen to um, a new album from a band that I am not familiar with, I get an immediate hit, like in the first 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. So when I sat down to listen to the debut album by uh, Misex called uh, graffiti crimes within 30 seconds I went okay here we go this is gonna be a lot of fun and it was a lot of fun this is not a great <laughs> album but this is not a drudge this is this is a roller coaster there is a lot of very fun things um to to discover in this album um I have in my notes, and this is, this is, I intend this as a compliment. This isn't, this is going to sound maybe not so much like a compliment, but I really mean it as a compliment. Um, I would describe this album as an unholy union of musical influences. I mean, <laughs> okay. it is kind of all over the place. Yeah. So as I was listening to it, I, once again, writing down bands that uh, uh, popped into my head. Uh, and, you know, not obviously all within the same song. Some songs are in different styles than others. It's not too terribly schizophrenic, but, you know, it's not... These, these sounds, these bands are not... Don't necessarily pop up in every song. Um... So I was hearing um, The Buggles, Foreigner, uh, Oingo Boingo, yeah. The Cars, Blue Oyster Cult, and Sticks. And <laughs> I described that as an unholy union of different <laughs> sounds. Yeah. <laughs> but so much fun. <laughs> that is really, a, that's a neat way to put it. <laughs> I want to hear what you thought about it. Um, well, my first thought was it's pure new wave. It's uh, um, the whole album just had, well, like you said, it was a lot of fun. Um, I enjoyed every bit of it, to be honest. And when you said roller coaster, that's, that's definitely what I was feeling. Um, and it's not that there are, you know, low lows in this album, but it, it kind of spins you one way and then spins you another. 
Uh, and it mm -hmm. it feels like it's all over the place, but it's all over the place in a good way. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, yeah. I I would push back on mm -hmm. your the generalization that this is a new wave album through and through. There oh, okay. are some super duper new wave songs, but yeah. then there are other songs that are like live much more in the like foreigner sticks. Okay. Um, uh, sound than in the new wave sound. Um, so just uh, a couple of things about this band. This is uh, this was a band from New Zealand. Um, they got a little bit of chart action in New Zealand and Australia, but that was about it. So um, a pretty obscure. I had never heard of them. I, I don't oh. think they ha ever had any sort of a pre uh, presence here in the United States. Yeah, had you ever heard of Misex? Um, you know, I don't. I wouldn't remember the name off the top of my head, but uh, I definitely heard the song of your choice um, mm. a bunch. Uh -huh. like I have heard it a lot. Yeah. Um, and yeah. as it turns really? out, I, yeah. And I, it must be because it was on compilations or something. But I, I hmm. first time I heard the song doing research, I could hum it to you. I knew it that well. So. Wow. Well, that really surprises me because I, I don't think I ever heard um, the song uh, that we're going to listen to tonight called Computer Games. I would say that this is the new waviest song on the album. Oh, for sure. So that is um, Misex's debut album called Graffiti Crimes. Um, not a serious contender for, for my top 10 list. I did notice when I went online and, and just, you know, look, uh, watch some videos on YouTube and was reading through the comments. Um, there, there, uh, there are some people out there that that have a real deep love for um, this band and this album. So, it is conceivable that uh, it might show up on somebody's uh, top ten list. I, I, I think if what we said about it intrigues you, um, you will not be disappointed. It is worth your time to to seek this out. Yeah. A lot of fun incredibly uneven very weird choices yeah. <laughs> that they make <laughs> uh the next band that we're going to cover is a band that i had not forgotten about but for some reason just i don't know it 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 caught me by surprise that they were on tonight's list so we're we're talking about the flying lizards and their debut album the flying lizards the band was comprised of, and I quote, a loose collective of avant-garde and free improvising musicians and singers. So these were performance artists, basically. <laughs> um, and that makes sense. Now, I 
guess the reason I was surprised that they were on this list was I just, I had only heard one song from them. And that's the song that you, I don't know, you you hear it all over the place. It was probably in a ton of compilations. I know it was featured in the movie mm-hmm. um, uh, Empire Records. And that's the song Money, which is a, a Beatles cover, right? Mm-hmm. I got to say, the whole album has this crazy experimental vibe to it. Um, and it seems pretty well executed for a group of improvisers. Um, but, but I, yeah, I don't know. The whole, the whole thing was a bit chaotic to me and I found it really hard to like. <laughs> so, um, really, yeah. I, I just, I, this felt like it had Rob written all over the it. The song Money, which I have always really enjoyed uh, much more by the Flying Lizards than by the Beatles. Um, I I really liked my song of choice for tonight, um, even though it's it's kind of I don't want to I don't want to call it different from the rest of the songs, but it is it is kind of standout uh, standoutish. So I don't know it it to me they're just I had a handful that I really enjoyed, but as a whole album. I didn't feel like there was enough that grabbed me, you know. So there now there is a song on the album, one that we're not going to be playing tonight called Her Story and it's uh to me that is the song that's got so much funk in it. It's damn near superfly, you know. Wait, <laughs> no, we 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 are featuring it tonight. Why do you say we're not featuring oh, it? That's my we, pick. That's, that's your one pick. of the few songs that I picked. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Well, that's amazing. I like that. <laughs> well, this was the first time that I had ever heard this album. And like you, as far as I know, the only Flying Lizard song I was familiar with was um, uh, Money. The uh, the similarities between me and you end there because I hate that song. I hate <laughs> that song so much. And, you know, I... As as a young guy, um, uh, discovering all of this music kind of after the fact, yeah, I kind of did my. I'm learning. I did myself a real disservice by, um, not not by getting lots of compilations um, that I I discovered almost all of my favorite bands uh, that way, but. Sometimes there would be a song that I just didn't like at all. And so I would just avoid that artist having just heard that one song. Mm-hmm. I was kind of dreading this album. I sat down, started listening to it and like was hooked. And I was going, cause, cause my biggest fear was that, um, sort of like, um, uh, Gina X, um, that it would be just the same shtick for the entire album. Yeah. Every well, song that's... was just going to be the same thing. So happy to say that's not the case. That's definitely um, definitely not the case. Yeah. And so as I was listening to it going through, I was like getting really excited about it, not hearing any songs, you know, the first half of the album done in that style at all. And then for some reason, 
they have back to back two cover songs, Summertime mm-hmm. Blues and Money. Yeah. Uh sung in the exact same by the exact same person in the exact same style and that's where the album just comes to a screeching halt for me which i have to say is kind of funny because summertime blues was also a really big song for them um so that's that's interesting you know like you said they're similar those are the two songs that were the biggest hits and those are the songs that you just do not like (laughs) so yeah wow so the the uh, first four songs on the album before uh-huh. we get to those cover songs totally digging yeah things come to a screeching halt with these two cover songs and then the rest of the album just like takes a hard left turn into um experimental soundscapes yeah um yeah. Kind of, you know, kind of reminds me a lot of my least favorite moments uh, um, from the um, from David Bowie's Berlin trilogy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it almost felt like they went, and I'm I'm sure this is not the case, but this is what it feels like to me, is they went, hey, we don't quite have enough material for an album, and one of the members went. Hey, you know, I got really stoned and drunk a couple of <laughs> nights ago and like just did some gnarly stuff in my little home studio at three o'clock in the morning. Maybe we should put that on. That's 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 the uh, song that I chose. Yes. <laughs> that's the song I chose. So, <laughs> <laughs> so let's go ahead and listen to that song. Oh, yeah. yeah. What is what? What is your pick from this album? So I I I, <laughs> I chose the trippiest song on the album, and it's a tune called Trouble. Clean your palate. Let's launch into my pick from this album, a song called Her Story. Thank you for that palate cleanser. <laughs> uh, real quick about Trouble, I will say that the reason I chose it was because to me this was definitely experimental and definitely improvisational, and and I at the same time thought it was pretty well executed. Um, so I I kind of dug it. I wish the song itself was about thirteen minutes longer. <laughs> 
only because it puts me in a very interesting place. Uh, a couple of the cuts off the first half of the album have, have I've put onto my personal playlist, uh, but this is this is a little bit of a rough sit for me. Uh, what do you think? Top ten. I would be surprised if it doesn't show up on somebody's top ten. Uh, I don't. I'm skeptical that it's going to make the final list. Uh, not in consideration for me, obviously. Uh, yeah. What about you? I did have a good time with the album, um, no. but uh, but yeah, not not going to make my top ten. That brings us to the last album. We're going to discuss for July of 1979. So as I teased, there were two game-changing debut albums. Uh, one in June, which was, of course, Joy Division's Unknown Pleasures. And then in July, the B-52s drop Ooh, yeah. their debut album and... Life is never the same again. That's right. <laughs> right? I, I'm, I'm a changed man for it. <laughs> <laughs> so the the big hit, which was in the United States, was not a hit at the time, um, was Rock Lobster, by mm -hmm. far the most famous um, song off of this album. And I, I love this album uh, with every bone in my body. Yeah, yeah. There, I'm the same way. I mean, there's nothing that I don't like on this album. I, I mean, everything in it is is really cool. Yeah, I mean, it peters out a little bit at the end. Um, uh -huh. I, I have no use for a, a cover of Downtown. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> they kind of stacked the first half of the album with the, the with the absolute killer songs. And then as it goes into uh, the second half of side two, it it kind of gets a little little less compelling for me. Mm -hmm. But still, a not great B-52s song from... 1979 is better than yeah. most bands best song yeah. um, from 1979 so uh, you know it's just my standards is so high from uh, as far when it comes to the B-52s uh, in the late 70s and early 80s that um, <sighs> love this album so yeah. much I do too I can tell you that in 2000 13 I drove six hours from the Central Valley to the North Coast with this song in my CD player and nothing else and I listened to it over and over again I mean it played the whole trip what rock this lobster album. this album no b52s oh oh the whole album the whole album mm -hmm. I see yeah yeah and just yeah. played it over and over again and yeah and I didn't. I never got tired of it. Well, this is Rolling Stone's 152nd greatest album of all time. Rolling Stone also thinks that Rock Lobster is the 146th greatest song of all yeah. time. The B-52s are the best ambassadors I can think of for why new wave um, is is still 
relevant and important. Um, yeah, I, I just, hey, it's me, 52s. Uh, what, what, what song did you pick? Um, I picked 52 Girls. So an interesting thing I interesting thing I find about Fifty Two Girls, by the way, before uh, before uh, we go on, is that there are really only twenty four girls named in the song. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I was just uh, to segue into my pick. I was going to pop quiz you real quick. So in the world of the B Fifty Twos, we know that there are fifty two girls' names. But how many dances are there? Oh, how many dances are there? I'm drawing well, we'll a blank. Just have to, yeah. We'll just have to listen to dances yeah. mess around to find out. Yep, absolutely. So the answer is 16. There are 16 dances, all 16 dances. <laughs> so the B-52's debut album. Um, it, it, do we have to discuss, <laughs> have a discussion about whether or not it, I mean, this is going to be the album to beat, right? It's got my uh, thumbs uh, up for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is, it is going to be on my list. It's going to be on yep. your list. It's going to yep. be on the final list. Yep. Um, this is, this is one for the ages. Duh. Yeah. That's all I have to say. <laughs> so that is um, June, July of uh, 1979. We have a deep dive. And this is actually going to be the last deep dive for a while. Yeah. Because the next couple of months, we're, we're, it's just going to be dedicated to releases. There's so much stuff coming out. Um, which I, I have mixed feelings about. But, mm-hmm. I mean... It'll be fun for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, Rob. Yeah. 
what band are we doing our deep dive on like duh people uh, can't guess <laughs> yeah i'm so jazzed about this so the deep dive of course is going to be on the b52s and yep. we have been we have been put in touch with a band no called... we're no let's not okay let's not okay. jinx it Okay, you got we, it. You got it. We we teased our awesome guests for Patty Smith, and that yeah. was a big fat failure. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. <laughs> yeah, because it's gonna be the B fifty twos. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, everybody listening. We appreciate your um, your support and your ears we will talk to you in two weeks see ya he's got his plastic sneakers she's got a Next episode, we're going to be talking about Talking Heads, Fear of Music, XTC, Drums and Wires, Buzzcocks, A Different Kind of Tension, Buzzcocks, Singles, Going Steady, Fashion, Product Perfect, Gang of Four, Entertainment, Gary Newman's The Pleasure Principle, Iggy Pop's New Values, and The Motels album, The Motels. Penetrations, Coming Up for Air. This Heat's debut album, This Heat, Per Ubu's New Picnic Time, The Ruts with an album called The Crack, Susie and the Banshees with Join Hands, The Slits with an album called Cut, <clears throat> Sparks's release Number One in Heaven, The Stranglers' The Raven, and the third release by Wire called 154.